you're listening to the Seven Transformations podcast. For access to the latest content, including the show notes to this episode, stay connected at the7transformations.com. Create a life you love. Transformation is an ongoing journey, and it is good that we don't have to walk that path alone. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my weekly podcast sharing life lessons on and off the competitive floor with a few stories in between. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And now, let's create a life we love. Well, we are here with Diba. She has an amazing life. She is a human-centered entrepreneur, and I'll let her kind of expand on what that means to her. But just chatting with her a little bit, we have a common friend here in Arizona, and we met through the internet. And I'll tell you, the internet is an amazing, an amazing place. Yeah, I've met so many amazing people, and Diba is definitely one of them. So take it away, Diba. What do you do? What is a human-centered entrepreneur? Why don't you share about your awesome life? Sure. Um, so it basically comes down to me creating experiences where human touch meets products, services, space, or stories. Um, why is it human-centered? Is because um, I took a road of going through learning about human-centered design, which is um, the practice of um, coming to design solution uh, from the people themselves instead of the other, the traditional way of um, you know designers being the masterminds and the creators of um, beautiful things that puts you in awe. Um, it is about actually going into the fabric of the society, going into the fabric of the um, the problem space that you are exploring. And really bringing insight, um, insights out of how you empathize with people, and really digging into the underlying problems or underlying motives um, that would create an authentic experience mm. that would that would cause or will be the reason why you would design an authentic experience. And that that approach um, specifically is successful because what comes out of it is is a product or a you know a service or a space that relates to people hmm. that is actually uh, what people want it's not based on an individual's imagination of what it could be but it's actually coming from what needs to be hmm. what is the necessity um, what is the essence um, that needs to be created so that's the human human centered side, and why entrepreneur is because um, uh, I like to say that I I blend in, um, become part, and shake things up. Yeah, so, I love that slogan on your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's kind of my character, but it's also the way I work the best is um, going into whether it's a new job, new society, new community, or new project. Uh, wherever I'm, uh, I go in and I just blend in and I'm good at it. So <laughs> just blend in with people, become part, become part of them. Like mm. it's very much like playing with, uh, with an ensemble, right? Yeah. You blend in, you become part of a whole. Um, and then you start shaking things up and I start like shaking things up, finding things that needs to be fixed or getting louder someplace sometimes more than others. And, 
uh, playing a solo a little bit yeah rhythm, you know <laughs> <laughs> challenging uh, things that is going on so um because i'm part now yeah so um and i think that's that's the entrepreneurship approach is very much of, of the same entrepreneurship spirit but instead of external it's internal hmm. um so that's the second part that's really cool well you're a trained architect and designer and when we were talking a little bit here off air it was really interesting to me I, I don't know too much about that field i had a friend in college who was uh, an architectural major and i remember him just suffering i mean like for years <laughs> in that major uh so but you know what that that's a really rigorous academic field and study and i liked your whole bit about human-centered design where it's not so much uh, here i am the designer make you know make this statue here worship me or whatever it's it's taking into account the relationships and the uh experiences that are going that designs can be part it's a very integrative approach so what was the shift for you when when did that happen on your path uh towards being a designer to where you are now when did the shift from being coming from a more traditional obviously the the studying background academic background when did it shift that people and experiences and the you know social side of what you're creating uh became important when did that shift happen sure so i think i can go back to the story that i told you earlier um it was not just one shift it feels more like you know cycles of shifts but there were definitely like some monumental shifts that happened one of them was um when i was coming out of architecture school and i had the privilege of working for cecil belmont who is a you know superstar in architecture where he um, works on fractals and um, has international exhibits um, uh, showcasing his work um, on, his, on the geometry of prime numbers and uh, on fra- fractal principles and things like that. And I got involved with his work in Chicago and then um, was really blessed to move around with his exhibits and install them in different places went to Italy with him. Finally, uh, the last um, installations I worked with him was in Tokyo. And uh, this was a huge exhibit and he put um, four or five of his um, creation there. One of them was Solid Voice, the other one was Dancer, which was another fractal model. And then there was this long room where he had um, these panels beautiful panels of photography he had done over the years in Tuscany and other places of nature. And he would go and um, draw on top of them, explaining the the geometry and the poetry of of this whole Mm -hmm. sacred geometry on on the landscape. So the visitors were like, you know, um, lost in this forest of panels, just mesmerized. And then at the end of it, they would stop at the station where he would explain number nine and how magical number nine is. You see people standing in front of that station and playing with their fingers, trying to figure out the puzzles that he's putting out. Hmm. And um, so, you know, it's Tokyo and it's completely different from America. Um, People coming into the exhibit, taking their shoes off and walking in and completely like meditating state with full respect as if they're approaching a temple 
you know, and, mm. and they are going very slowly and, and, and really intentionally looking at everything. There's some people who are sitting down and really taking in what they're watching. Some of them, and it's, it's, it's a full of silence and full of stillness, right? And then I'm becoming a people watcher and I'm just looking at all these people and they all have very interesting moments in different corners of this exhibit where they stand looking at something and suddenly they have an epiphany and their faces change and, and their aura changes and, and you can totally see that. And, um, and that was a moment for me to, that I realized that this, this is what it is about, all of this work, all of this space, all of the visuals, um, all of the touch points that we create is all to bring that moment of divine epiphany of, of really seeing yourself in that mirror and having having a having a conversation with god really it's just mm. that's what is happening there and then um so i became really like fascinated with just the human side of things after that and went after studying human centered design so that was a big shift and they, it continued to shift me going forward because i just getting deeper and deeper in, in different levels. So as a result, it's like, you know, you get kinder, you become kinder, you become more tolerant, you become mm. more loving. Um, you develop a different level of understanding and things of life don't don't move you as much as you used <laughs> to, you, you know. It, um, become more um, patient. Yeah, everything is becoming like a meditating moment. You know, it's it's like, um, yeah, you're reflecting and, and taking in. So, well, design is it's interesting. I think we all have some desire to design in our own way. If you think of design as like a creative process in bringing in what's the internal into the external world, you know, we all have. I think is natural connection, like you said, to the divine or whatever it is, the cosmos universe to bring that creative force into play and in our own, in our own voice, in our own style, in our own sound, whatever happens mm -hmm. to be your medium, you know, we're all designers in a way, you know, it's kind of interesting. Well, Absolutely. regarding your relationships, you know, like let's say the people in your life, the closest people to you, how did they feel about your path? And in doing what you're doing right now, were they supportive initially, or did you did it take some convincing? Oh, um, I think I I had a reputation of being the rebellious kid. Oh, I see. So, you um, have multiple siblings. Think... <laughs> <laughs> no, I had only one sister, but. Um, were you younger one or the older one? Younger one. Oh, yeah. you're the troublemaker then. That's what it is. Yes, I was a troublemaker. So <laughs> I think like some of the major shifts I made scared, scared my family a lot, for sure. Um, for the longest time, they were worried about me not finding one way, my way. Hmm. I, was, I was worried about me not finding my way. Um, I don't know if I found it even. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think I'm at peace and that projects you know, um, that projects to my family and my friends and they know I'm in a good space. Mm. They don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> they don't necessarily um, know what I'm doing. I, I'm not, 
completely sure of where I'm going either. But it, it's, it's, the, it's the matter of me um, living my truth. Yeah. I guess that's what you want to get at because that's where the piece is. That's so true. You know, I just saw a podcast today. I've been reading a lot of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's stuff. I don't know if you know. He uh, he wrote this book recently called Crushing It, which is like the second, I think, in a series. And I just finished it. And then somebody else sent me a a podcast of his where he just said exactly those things. Like, you know, I, I just got to live my truth. And that seems to be the, the theme, the theme of life and really creating your life and and being at peace and having joy is just ultimately what do you believe in and and do you mm-hmm. live that you know mm-hmm. well with your with your path where you are right now you know i can relate to not knowing because i've always wanted to be the type that likes to know ahead and plan but sometimes you have to be walking on the path towards whatever it is you believe right now and you know follow it what has been a big break in the sense that when you know you mentioned this story about when you when you kind of shifted your focus and you shifted your value in in your work and design and how you what, what it shifted what you what it meant to you you know with the whole um the nine exposition and all that kind of stuff what was you what would you say a big break in terms of your business how you're doing things right now that really launched you forward or made a significant difference in your path it altered your direction you can look back on it and say yeah you know this moment was very significant for me like you met the right person you were at a particular right time or you got your first client doing whatever what was a point in your time that really helped your confidence that helped your belief Mm -hmm. in what you believe right now yeah i think there's again multiple of those points i mean right now i'm in the middle of one oh okay Uh, perfect the previous one was when I moved from Chicago. Um, it was um, a moment of surrender, really. That's when it was when I knew I had to live my truth, as, as, as we spoke. And um, I was coming out of a marriage, mm. and um, I just knew that. Um, I knew it that just trying to go by would not would just cause both of us from going forward and um i knew that i have to take the steps and 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 make the action i i was afraid of everything and uh, i was walking by the lake um at lake michigan in chicago and um a, a voice in my head just said like leave it leave everything um and follow me Hmm. And before that, actually, before that, I hear that there was a moment when I verbally said to the universe, I think I was talking to the universe and I, to the lake and alone, I was like, I just accept that I don't know how, I don't know how to move forward. I just accept that I don't even know if I have the the power or the stamina or I don't know how to do it. So I just Mm. give it all to you. Um, Work through me to figure out what I need to do because I I don't know how. I just accept that I don't. And that's what I heard is like just leave leave all all of your life and follow me. And um, after that moment, I am... I don't know. I found the guts to to face it, to face my life, and 
and the action after action. It was just so fast. And I moved to LA and um, it felt like a dream. It felt like mm. I'm just like going through step by step and, and forces like pushing me through. And um, I was just like doing things, doing things and moving forward. And um, I think that was a moment. That was a moment of complete surrender and trusting the voice that I heard. Mm. And then, um, and then things changed, things changed. Um, I went through a lot of sacrifices, a lot of, a lot of hardship, um, but I got way more clear about myself, about what I want in life, what matters, um, the happiness, the joy that is a small, that is inside, um, that doesn't need to ghost, it doesn't need to be loud, um, it's right here, close to me, and I can always access it. Hmm. So. Um, so that was, that was the break point. <laughs> yeah. It's really when you, you kind of acknowledged your own intuition or own inner voice and decided to take yeah. a risk and everything yeah. seemed to open the floodgates after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how things spiral, you know, like I can, I can relate that story to many stories in my life, but with this podcast, for example, I started this in January of this year and. I literally had no clue about podcasting whatsoever, but I really wanted to do it. And it's like from the moment you decide internally, then the external world just starts to move around. And it's been it's been a crazy whirlwind of a year. So it's it's interesting how one decision can lead to like a million other things yes. later. Yeah. You know, so. It unravels. Like, yeah, it unravels. It's in front of you like. It's magical. <laughs> you just have to push that little ball of yarn and then it, it gets bigger and bigger as it rolls down yeah. the hill. Yeah. Well, what, here's kind of a, a looking ahead question. What do you see your ideal self like? Compare yourself right now to mm. your future self. Obviously, there are a lot of things that you're still working through and figuring out, okay, with your own path, where is it going, that kind of thing. But what mm. does the picture look like to you when you know, when you do hit that future ideal self, what does that look like? And what will you need to to do to get there? What will you have to have? What do you have to learn? What do you have to give maybe to mm. get to that future self? Whatever that may be for you, whether that's, you know, a few years from now, maybe that's 20 years from now. I know these are pretty <laughs> introspective Very things. Very hard questions. Yeah, that's yes. right. I'm grilling you here. <laughs> yeah. Give me the... Full yeah, on. I mean, um, part of it is that you don't, you you don't know the the end of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know you don't know how it unfolds. Um, you just know that you want to be happy and you want to be true. Um, so, what do I see myself? Um, so, I there, there is another thing that I'm working on, which is my um, music work. Um, yeah, you I play the harp, don't you? Harp. Huh? <laughs> you play the harp, don't you? That's awesome. Yeah, so I picked up harp um, specifically for um, uh, for for learning a, a field of music therapy called thanatology. And what it does is that it plays um, sacred music and really meditative music for people who are in hospice or end-of-life journey. Mm. And you are holding the space with music for them to transition. It's kind of like midwifery, but the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, and I, I encountered that 
um, through a documentary and I got really emotional about it and, and it felt like that is my mission in life wow. suddenly and <laughs> went ahead and bought a harp and now I'm like totally challenged with how to play that thing yeah the harps <laughs> you gotta be it's you know hard. it's funny funny story I have one of my students she her mom was this harp player on like a 1950s sitcom in in America Ooh. like a popular one I forget I have to find the name now I'm totally going to bug her about it, but yeah, her name was like Phyllis, Phyllis something. She's like 90 now, but she showed me this old school video in like 1950s. She was a famous harp player in like the, and they put her in a sitcom in 1950s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, that just reminded me of that. So harp is a big deal. It's beautiful. It's beautiful though. Yeah. It's beautiful. But anyway, so like also like that is another thing that entered my life at the same time. And I do, I'm wondering, like, these are all the things that I'm exploring, but this is one of the major things is, is how do we design the end of life experience? Hmm. And every human being deserves um, to have a good ending, glorious ending. And I know it comes out sad a little bit or it feels, but it is true. So you're going to face that. And yeah, don't you want to one thing that's certain. <laughs> with beautiful things um, and, and a great music. So like, it, it's about th that is another area that I'm getting more and more interested in. Hmm. How to, how to end well. Are you taking uh, um, harp lessons or just kind of learning through YouTube or? Both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Learning a little bit myself and then going to a teacher and then trying to, because uh, there is, there is a school that teaches thanatology, but it's Montana. And it's and spelled, it's how is it spelled? Thanatology? T-H-A-N-A-T-O-L-O-G? Thanatology? Thanatology with T-H in the beginning, yeah. yeah. Man, that harp, those strings must be really killer on your fingers. I know, like, for guitar, oh my goodness. I bet for harp, it's like something else. I thought I thought it was going to be this romantic thing that you just, <laughs> you know, stroke your finger on. Yep. It just plays beautifully, but man, you have to plug oh, those. Oh, you, you need some finger strength, man. <laughs> Like that's like a giant guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's hard work. Wow. Um, that's cool though. You know, I I can relate with the music, playing that, contributing, especially if you are a musical person, contributing that to people in a healing way. Sound is profound in its ability to heal, and and we're all vibrations. The more I learn about vibration and sound healing, it's so interesting. So it's really uh, really fulfilling to do that. I I started doing like a guided piano meditations and everybody's been loving it so i'm gonna definitely continue that too i think that's that's a very noble noble way to give back to other people well here's some more uh down and dirty questions here <laughs> what can you share this one's easy though can you share a challenging memory recently and more importantly how did you get back to motivation from that situation mm, that is it happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Challenging. And the key is how we get back on the saddle. So what's Deba's oh, yes. take? I think the, the latest challenge I had was forgiveness. Mm. Um, was uh, forgiving people who hurt me. That was a huge challenge. And I, it was like a prison for me for the longest time when I I just couldn't, couldn't let go. Um, and... Um, it's it, it, it's um, it's amazing how we get attached to the pain of a memory. Mm, yeah. 
especially especially when we we lose um, we lose something or, or and then it's painful and then we hang on to that pain for the longest time because that's the only thing that connects you with that old thing yeah you keep revisiting you keep revisiting even though it's painful yourself. it's real in a sense so we're addicted to that reality yeah. you know yeah. um so and then so I, it was it was hard for me to forgive for the longest time hmm. and i know this is not a podcast for religious stuff and i'm not trying to be religious but hey, really it's fine go because i it. come from because i come from muslim background yeah but then i went through Another thing that happened recently from through a conversion of going to Christianity, and mm. one of the things that um, that happened for me was this idea of forgiveness mm. um, that is unique in Christianity. Um, in the beginning, I was like, "Well, you know, in in my background, my Muslim background, is like, well, you you just if you did something wrong, you just have to go back to that person and um, apologize, and if they forgive you, then you're fine." If they don't forgive you uh, and you die and you never have a chance to confront that person, then you're in hell. Wow. That's it. That's it. And then even if like, even if then you go apologize that you never fully feel cleansed, you know, of mm. that darkness. But what I realized in, in Christianity, which I was not believing in, and it was that total forgiveness. Hmm. It's not just um, you forgiving or they forgiving, but it's that grace of not being able to do it anymore. Yeah. It's kind of is, is wiped out of your system. Hmm. Um, and that was a discovery for me. And then I was like, wow, like, wow, that can happen. And then once, once God forgives you that way, then you want to forgive others too, because you're like, yes, I'm gonna free you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Spread the ground. love. So uh, that was one of the challenges. Was, was like the, the longest, the hardest, the deepest um, grievance I had over a lot of hurt um, from some people, and I couldn't forgive them for a while. And finally, one day, I sat down and prayed to my God, and was like. For, for your love, I'm gonna forgive. Like I can't, I, I can't find it in my heart to forgive hmm. just for them. But I love you, and because I love you, I am going to forgive them. I'm going to give them to you. And it was just such a relief. Hmm. It was such a relief to let go of that and and forgive, fully forgive. Hmm. Um, and I felt like I I actually my life opened up and I could move forward. Um, but before that, I was kind of like dragged, <laughs> dragged yeah. a heavy load with me, baggage. Isn't it funny the the bags we all pick up and carry around? Right. And it's 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 like a we're addicted to picking up these bags because of maybe how they look or what we think there's inside, you know. But at the end of the day, it's like you don't need to carry that around, you know. A lot of times we we pick something up like. Like something like hang around a particular person or commit to something that maybe we don't want to but we think we have to and things like that just because of how maybe it might look and we imprison ourselves you know with these yeah. with these things so i think that's something it has to be, it, the heart has to be with, with filled with something yeah it's either love or it's fear yeah that's so true you choose <laughs> it's gotta be fear. Yeah. when you let go when you let go of something negative love 
comes instead. And then mm. what happens is that when you forgive or you let go and other things is, is just your, your love grows. You become kinder, you yeah. become more loving and more peaceful and all that as a result. So mm. That's great. Well, kind of to piggyback that question, what right now is your biggest recurring obstacle? What do you find that is showing up not just once in a while, but on a regular basis? And again, more importantly, how do you overcome it? Mm -mm. That's hard. <laughs> I think the biggest obstacle is ourselves, right? It's like, yeah, everybody says uh, that. Right? Yeah. I think, yeah, it's ourselves and the way. Um, yeah, you know, again, like, I'm sorry, I'm pretty... In what way? Are you, like, a perfectionist with the things you're doing, or are you, you know, a procrastinator? Everybody has... Everybody says, yeah, the biggest obstacle is myself, and, you know, that's obvious, but what... In what way? Like, every, everybody's got a different flavor of dysfunction. Like, what's the particular thing that comes up for you that's difficult? Hmm... I'm growing into trusting the universe mm. and the planet it has for me. And whenever I don't trust and I try to control things or like have my my way of doing things, things get tenacious. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and 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 the flow stops mm. when I start to create a flow. Yeah, <laughs> flow flow stops. And whenever I'm not there and I'm just a part of it. It keeps flowing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I'm in the way sometimes is when my ego wants to just take have control. A presence. Um, so, yeah. How do you, I mean, I can totally relate to that. And in fact, actually, the, the book I'm writing is about kind of, it's based on the seven chakras. It's, you know, seven areas that we're continually transforming, you know, and mm basically the gist is one of them is control because naturally especially when we commit to things we are immediately going to want to control the variables depending on how much of a perfectionist you are but you know that's something that we're continually having to wrestle with so with you how do you build a habit of managing your controls you know control is not a bad thing it's important to have control and to understand what you can control but how do you manage your control effectively so that it's not getting to the point where it's not effective or shutting down your creative flow? Mm -hmm. Do you meditate? Prayer. You prayer? Okay. Yeah. What's your, pray what's your prayer look world, like? In the world, it would be meditation. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I think prayer and meditation are basically the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty um, much the same thing. How do you yeah, pray? Think, what's your... What's your yeah. um, Surrender, um, you know, you, um, every morning I get up and um, I pray and I meditate and I give myself to God. Um, I give all my senses to God hmm. and and ask him to animate me in his will. And I mean, you can put in any word that you want. And whatever yeah, you yeah. Believe in, Just but, surrender, um, pretty much. It's basically surrendering and and trusting that that divine power that moves through you and believe it or not that have changed my life that little prayer every morning does does impact my whole day hmm. um and whenever there is an obstacle i i still am i'm better but it, i used to be a lot more reactionary and um i just re react to things really fast and um 
but now I'm more of like the world is not gonna stop if I don't respond. Like, mm. It's okay <laughs> if I don't have any reaction. I have no opinion. There was one this guy, um, Matt Khan. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a big guru in the new age. Matt Khan. Um, yeah, Matt Khan. He had a assignment one day. I was listening to him, and he was like, "Go one week." And this whole week, you're you're not gonna have any opinion whatsoever. You fast from having any opinion <laughs> at any occasion. And I tried it. It was hard. Oh yeah, of hard. course. It is really Suspend hard. Suspend your to judgmental not have an brain. But what you get is is peace. Is oh yeah. Stillness and and then you you realize. I mean, the world is not gonna stop if you don't have any opinion. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Imagine that. So, um yeah so i would say prayer and meditation is is the way to go it's just yeah reconnecting with with the flow the law yeah. of the universe you know and, and and walking with it with with the control aspect you know owning your own business is is a huge thing that we have to leverage constantly how we mm -hmm. balance our desire for control because obviously you need control to create something but you also need to let it go when you're working with people and creating things and so on so for you what's been the some of the hardest things to delegate and and why do you have Ooh. a team <laughs> yeah really hard oh yeah these are these are down <laughs> in there do you have a team of people um, that you work with or like when you're let's say you're with you know let's a client or things like that you know when it comes to delegation what are some of the things that are difficult for you to delegate as an entrepreneur hmm. i don't think i have a hard time with delegation um i mean it's it's in the hardest thing for me is to um try to incorporate sometimes like it's easy when you in a design world is it's easier to like just get heads down create a concept um and then show others to run with it mm -hmm. but then it gets harder to include others in the process you know of, of bringing them into and then i have to kind of uh buy into their ideas and buy into their concepts mm -hmm. and, and shift and flex based on um their taste um so because our our job is not much of delegation until it comes to delivery, like when we have production. Yeah, got it. That's when you divide and conquer. Otherwise, like the process, especially in the human-centered design, is very collaborative. So we are all kind of coming together with things, um, and the culture is, in a way, is is very um, proactive. So you you just constantly take responsibility for things everybody's fighting to get more <laughs> into their plate so um yeah i don't have much problem with delegation that's good yeah. i asked that to everybody and everybody's got a, a different answer so it's always interesting to hear oh, good. i know hear dele delegating is always something that's uh like you said it, it depends on what what you're doing but it's always interesting to hear different people's perspective on especially on entrepreneurial side where you're mm -hmm. creating your own business and having to especially when you're trying to scale your business and deciding who's going to you know be working yeah. with you and training and things like that it's always an interesting part of it so yeah i would say that communication is the key and that yeah. 
or um, instruction, you know, when you want to delegate, how are you going to communicate? How, uh, how do you envision them carrying it? You know, um, the, the communication style of it and, mm. and the things that you give them as tools to run with it is really important. You can't just tell people to do things without providing any assistance. Or it's got to be human-centered. Huh? It's got to be human-centered. Right. <laughs> or, um, yeah, exactly. So you, there is like a, this, this communication. And then communication style matters. Like, are you going to come across as a micromanager when you're mm. handing off? Or are you going um, to appreciate their collaborative collaboration? Um, how kind is, is your transfer? You know, it, it, they all matters to the experience of people working together. So. Mm. Well, what are you, some of your useful strategies that keep you going and creating your life? You know, prayer was something that you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. That's obviously a super effective one. It gives you kind of a mental balance and helps you let go and, and get back to a creative flow. Is there anything else that you incorporate that you, are you super health conscious? Do you exercise a lot? Like what are some of the other things that keep your creative flow at the maximum? Nature. nature? <laughs> nice. What do you, how do you experience nature? you like to go for a hike or... Yeah, yeah, I hike a lot. I uh, surf. I started surfing. I should say. I'm surfing. I cannot <laughs> surf if you paid me to do it. I can just. I can't figure it out, man. I need to keep practicing. <laughs> it's. Not, I. I'm still struggle to pop. I mean, I just started. And I dance too. You know, I. I can't. I can't skateboard. I don't want to snowboard because I'm afraid of you know biffing it hard. But <laughs> it's like there's something about both of my legs being attached to one line. <laughs> I'm used to moving them around independently, so that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I'm attached to ocean. Ocean is just such. I amazing. love the ocean. I think it's uh, beautiful. I love the ocean. So yeah, anything that helps me touch nature is is amazing. So hiking, mm -hmm. that yoga, um, those are my exercises, and then prayer is 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 huge for me. Um, meditation and prayer. What else do I do? Um, inspiration, like we have to keep ourselves um, uh, courage—not courageous. What do you say? Uh, inspired. Inspired. You have yeah. to look for things that inspires you, like mm. uh, intentionally. Mm -hmm. Like you have to, you have to, you know. We all have a spark, spark in our eyes, and you have to keep that light. Mm -hmm. keep, keep that light. Like you can't be sitting around home and then. As that light diminishes, be like, oh, I'm feeling so down. <laughs> you have to get out. You have to go find that spark, you know. Um, so, like one one exercise that it's good to do is just find something interesting that you want to tell someone today, hmm. um, and that would keep you curious throughout the day. And, and really approaching everything with curiosity is the key. Um, what else do I do? which works. Just inspirations are really important. Um, community. community, Like community service? No, just having a community. Oh. Um, being surrounded with the right, right people. Mm -hmm. um, and being intentional about it. Yeah, every, every person you add um, is an investment. Mm. You can't just meet people and, oh, well, whenever I see you, I see you. Yeah, there's a if purpose. 
if you're interested, yeah, if you're interested and if you want to add that relation, it's an investment of time and energy if you have that bandwidth. Hmm. I like how you, I like how you said, uh, find something in interesting to tell someone. Yeah. That, that's a good one. Surprise. Very, yeah. Surprise it's a little surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what advice do you have for people in your line of work right now, or maybe who are studying still getting their Doesn't studies matter. in their architecture, doing design? What advice mm -hmm. do you have for them? If I were me back then, I would invest more into building, uh, my network. Hmm. Um, really articulating, like being intentional about who are my mentors, who are the figures in this space that I look up to, who are my source of inspiration, always having like a really have a role model. Um, doesn't have to be a real person can, that you have a personal relationship with, but someone out there in the industry that is your role model, like Cecil Bauma was that for me. Mm -hmm. um, because that those those role models really shape your career, your attitude, your approach. Yeah, I think that's key. They say if you you want to go anywhere, always surround yourself with people smarter than you. So in yeah. whatever form, now we can do it virtually. So we don't need to necessarily know those people. But yeah, that's cool. Well, what uh, any other areas of your life right now that you are excited about? Any trips coming up or any projects, community? outreach events, anything that you're creating besides all the design and architecture and stuff that you do with your business? Um, you said you're learning to play no, the harp. I, That's pretty cool. Do you have a goal <laughs> with that? Like, are you going to be, uh, are you going to be like, do you have anything set as far as like, okay, in three months from now, I'm going to go and maybe try playing for a, a hospice or something oh like my, that? The harp? Yes. Yes. Harp is like my, uh, yes, that is. I've, the first thing is um, is to get it going and, and learning some uh, some hymns on it. I think my first milestone is to play in the the church. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Uh, That's good. Yeah, the church choir, and then start going to hospice um, and and play there. Like yeah, that is my vision is to just be the harp player around how are you going to bring that harp with you is that going to fit in your car is that going to fit in your car the harp this one actually the one i i um i showed you is it's a lever harp it has 34 strings it does fit in my car but there are lap harps oh i see yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that you can just like um kind of like a backpacky thing like you can put it on your shoulders like okay. hanging it off of your shoulder and you play it um so we'll, I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to keep us in the loop. That sounds pretty cool. Maybe we can yeah. do a, a co-op and do some piano and harp meditative. Oh, meditative that would be cool. That would be fun, actually. Well, what's the biggest... Yeah, art therapy is, is really amazing. Like, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I, I think it would be awesome. I, I love... Anytime I meet a musician, especially somebody who's interested in that same kind of avenue as far as like, uh, you know, doing some music therapy and stuff. I always think that's super fun for collaboration. So oh let me God, know when yes. you're ready to rock it out on the harp. We can do a, a jam <laughs> session. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the biggest thing you're grateful for right now in your life? Oh my God. I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful for you right now. Oh, well, thank um, you. I'm grateful for you too. 
I'm grateful for for I'm teaching and I, um, the opportunity of teaching a class came out of nowhere and I'm grateful for that because it just brought so much joy hmm. um, in my in my flow. Um, I'm grateful to the community I have. Um, I'm grateful for all the bad things and the good things that happened in my life. Like all of them are good at the end and hmm. um, everything. I'm grateful for everything. That's awesome. <laughs> It's a good state to be in. Great gratitude is the gateway to abundance. So, oh, I love that word. Very okay. good. <laughs> Any final words of wisdom? We're pretty much coming up here to the end. So, anything that you have for people <laughs> listening on living a life you love or creating your life? Not true. Really. I'm not that full of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got some wise words in there. I think we had some pretty good ones already, but. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> well, where can they uh, where can they find you? More about you, found out more about you. If they, you know, want to uh, learn more about your work or get in touch. Sure, I do have a website. It's deepasalini.com. Um, I do have an Instagram uh, account, which is Solitude Frames. Um, yeah, either way, you can you can. Get I'll in post touch. those in the show notes. That way, people can link to it. So awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with here me with uh, me here, Diva. Thank you for helping with this interview. You've been awesome. It's so great to hear about your life and design and <laughs> life philosophies and all that good stuff. My pleasure. My pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. We'll have to talk again. So, guys, thank you so much as well for listening. This has been uh, one of my Create a Life You Love interviews with Diva Salimi. She uh, is an amazing person and I love sharing these types of interviews with you you know entrepreneurialism and creating a life you love I think is something that we all have in our journey at one point or another and my goal to share these people's experiences and lives with you to motivate you to help you on your own path if you have people that this would be appropriate for that you feel would make a difference share it with them let them know I think these things are amazing when we can hear ourselves in someone else's experience. Uh, maybe one person says a few words and it just clicks, whatever we happen to be thinking about that day. So share it with your friends. If you want more information about the show or what I do or check out the show notes as well on my website, we have a lot of other things going on there as well. I also, like I said, I started doing some piano meditations. If that's your thing, uh, check them out. I plan on doing a lot more of those in the future to help people kind of relax, unwind, and uh, don't stress so much about life, you know. Creating a life you love is is exciting and it's stressful, but it can also be peaceful too. So, right, Diva? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the journey. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, all right, well, thank you again, Diva. Thanks so much, and we'll, you, we'll see you around. Yeah. Bye-bye. You're listening to the 7 Transformations Podcast with your host, Tudor Alexander. For weekly articles on creating a life you love, stay connected at the 7